just to want to welcome everybody to Cornerstone, which, as many of you know, is our Sunday afternoon ministry that really serves as a continuation of the ministry of the Word that we have on Sunday mornings. Now, for those of you who might be new to Cornerstone, the sessions that we have now are really the product of a conviction that the ministry of the Word and of prayer is central and primary to the ministry of the church overall. So to that end, a lot of the ministry and of the word and, of, and prayer that we were having was happening within membership classes and also our premarital classes. And what Cornerstone does is that it makes that available for the rest of the church. Uh, today, specifically, we have the last of our four membership classes, and we'll be discussing the topic of stewardship uh, in the Father's house, and Mark is going to take us through that. But uh, before we begin, like I said, we do also want to make sure that we have some time for prayer and uh, for us to uh, catch up with the folks here. So um, I'll be calling on a few people to just share with us. And you know, the prompt is fairly simple. We just want to hear one thing that the Lord has been teaching you um, through what he's been doing in your life or something that uh, you're going through in his word. Um, and also one way that we can be in prayer for you. So just those two things, one thing that the Lord is teaching you currently, and one way that uh, we can be praying for you. Okay, so let's take a look at who we have here. Um, let's see, a lot of groups today. So I see um, the house of Kim, Sarah, and Olivia. Um, I don't believe I've called on you guys before, so I'll let, um, I'll let you guys decide, uh, whoever's closest to the computer, uh, can go ahead and unmute and share with us maybe one thing that the Lord is teaching you and, uh, one thing that we can be praying for you for. Hello. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Awesome. Um, I think one thing that God's been teaching me. Um, it's not to build my own kingdom here, um, but to have a heart um, that seeks to work for God's glory. Um, reading in Colossians 3, I'm not setting my eyes on the things here, but on the things above. Um, and really having, yeah, just a desire to please God um, in all aspects of work. And I think that's my prayer request as well. Um, it's been a difficult season in work. Um, it's really hard uh, to just focus um, not on working for myself um, or um, and even having like a right attitude when I go into work. Um, I think my employer, uh, it's just been, I think, hard in terms of expectations. Um, so remembering that ultimately I don't work for myself or for man at the end of the day, but for God. So if you could pray for that, um, I would be very grateful. Great. Thank you for sharing, Kim. Uh, let's see. Uh, Jonathan Park, I see you. So can you go ahead and unmute yourself and share one thing that the Lord is teaching you these days and also one way that we can be praying for you? Yeah. Hello. So one thing that, <clears throat> one thing that's been very uh, relevant to my life these days um, has been uh, related to first Timothy five, where we learned, learned about um, the charge and responsibility for us to, care for our families. Um, you know, in my family of four, I'm the only one who is not living at home. Um, so I think in that presents its challenges. Uh, and just, yeah, I think it was timely just to read about that 
as I've just been considering ways that I could care for my family better. Um, so yeah, so one thing, for example, is just making sure that, um, that like I contact my mom uh, like uh, more often than I have before. Um, I think that's just one of the small ways that I could be just really applying it. And yeah, it's a, definitely a learning process, especially because um, it's just becoming more of a reality for me as, um, as parents get older that, um, that, yeah, this is something that I need to be applying practically now, especially with um, health declining and all that. Um, a prayer request, so prayer request for me is related to that. I think it's um, just to, just for the wisdom to, just to really know how to, how to best minister um, to them, just especially uh, with my dad's condition, which uh, which treatment has been going pretty well so far, and he may actually be due for surgery soon. Um, so just, yeah, I'm just taking it step at a time and uh, just prayers for just wisdom on how to best minister to my family, because I think that's I think that's something that I could definitely learn uh, to do even better at this time, especially. Great. Thank you for sharing, John. And let's do one more. Um, Kim Leung, I see you. So can you, would you mind unmuting yourself and sharing with us one thing that the Lord is teaching you and one way that we can be praying for you? Um, right now I'm going through Mark as my own personal devos. Um, so it's just great to go back into just reading like how um, Christ is leading his disciples through like the hardships of um, uncertainty and just uh, making sure that they really have the true faith in him. Um, and prayer request is just um, just dealing with family, trying to be a better witness. Um, I share with my small group with like my own family that trying to witness to like my sister's boyfriend has been a challenge just due to uh, my mom telling me whenever I say something to him saying, oh, I, like if he wants to hear about like sermons, like, you know, does he understand it? And if he doesn't, like, you know, he should turn to the Bible. And my mom calling me judgmental and saying he should be reading books about how to read the Bible. And I'm like, well, he should be reading the Bible first. But, um, you know, just prayer for just patience with my family who um, can say very harsh words to me and um, still be loving in those times and to still love uh, my sister's boyfriend too. Um, turn to the gospel before um, just to, so he can understand what's happening and to maybe even become a Christian himself too. Great. Thank you, Kim, for sharing. And thank you everyone uh, for sharing, you know, the, what the Lord is doing in your lives. It's, it's a benefit for the rest of us to, to hear from what the Lord is showing to you guys. And, and it's also a joy for us to be able to lift these things up in prayer too. Um, so with that, um, why don't uh, we just move into a time of prayer? I can go ahead and pray for uh, those of us uh, who shared. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much, Lord, for all the ways that you are working in each of our lives. And it, it may be a little bit different for each of us. You take each of us through different circumstances, but you know each of us, Lord. You know the things that are going on in our hearts, and you know the things that we need to learn and what's most appropriate for us to learn. So we thank you for those things that you're teaching each of us, Lord. We thank you for Kim and just uh, 
the challenges that she's experiencing at work, Lord, and we know that those challenges may not always feel good, but we also know that you allow us to go through them for a purpose and for a reason. So we thank you for the things that you're doing in her life. And I just pray that as she goes through um, the difficulties that she has, that she would remember that she is working for your purposes and not her own, that uh, all the things that she does would be for your glory and not for uh, her own purposes, um, to really seek the things above and not the things um, below and the things of man. So I just pray that you would keep that perspective on her heart as she goes to work and that uh, she'd be able to remember uh, that the reason for that and the reason why you've given her the occupation that she has um, is really for your own glory. Uh, Father, I just also want to pray for Jonathan Park. I thank you for what you're teaching him and showing him uh, in his studies of First Timothy, Lord. And we thank you, Father, that your word tells us how we ought to treat others in our lives. And you don't leave it up to um, our own interpretation. You don't leave it up to what we feel is right or wrong regarding these things. But you guide us in terms of what would be honoring to you and pleasing to you. And Father, one of those things that um, you have shown us in your word is just the importance that there is to care for our own family. And I thank you for placing John in his family, Lord, and the opportunities that he has to care for them. And especially now, as his father has been going through uh, treatment and uh, maybe going through a, a surgery coming up, Lord, there are plenty of opportunities for him to be a strength and a comfort for his family to share the comfort that you first have given to him, Lord, with his family. And we know that uh, they are saved, Lord, but we also know that they can use reminders uh, to turn their hearts back to Christ when it's tempting to think uh, more so of the things of this world. So I, we just pray for his family, for his, for his father in particular, um, that you would be with him during a very difficult time, um, one that would be physically taxing, uh, but also one that um, we know that we can trust in you for and that you will provide for. And Father, we also just want to pray for Kim Leung and just thank you for her time that uh, she's been able to have in the Gospel of Mark. We thank you, Lord, for revealing Christ to us through your Gospels. And we thank you for reminding us, Lord, that through our interaction with Christ, through our walking with you, Lord, that we can be saved and Father, we know that many of us have that testimony, uh, but we also know that those who are not walking with you, those who don't call upon the name of Christ as Savior and Lord, they need to walk with you, and they need to hear your words, and they need to be exposed to the living word that can change hearts and call men to repentance, that can divide um, hearts and between bone and marrow, Lord, that can really reveal who we are and who you are. So, Father, I just pray for Kim that as she communicates these things to her family and to her sister's boyfriend in particular, Lord, we know that sometimes men may not see things in the same way. But, Father, I just pray that you would give Kim a heart of graciousness, but also a heart that does not compromise on what your word says. And we, we know that your word will do its work, Lord, and it may not do so in the way that we anticipate or expect but we know that your word is powerful and it will have its effect and it won't return to us void. So thank you, Father, that we can have hope, not our, in our own abilities, Lord, but we can have uh, hope in the fact that your word is true and your word has the power to create the universe, Lord, and your word has the power to change 
uh, hearts that are dead to hearts that have been raised. So we thank you for all of these things and we pray them in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Thanks everyone. And I'll go ahead and uh, hand it off to Mark who can take us through our, our lesson for today. Let's see, I'm, I'm going to ask Tim Song if uh, perhaps I can get a, uh, am I able to share the screen? I am indeed. We're living big here. Okay. Okay. Okay, here we are. Um, I just wanted to thank everybody for sharing with us. It's just such an encouragement just to hear individual requests. I know the leadership of the church prays for you all. I tend to go through by um, sort of affinity groups. So each day of the week, I'll set apart a different affinity group. I'll do singles on one day. I'll do married and families on another day. I'll do the leadership groups on the other days for their families, but it's just such an encouragement to interact with you one-on-one. -on -one and, and I want to thank you for participating in Cornerstone, but also for sharing, be willing online to share your requests and what's going on in your lives, your families, your work with the church body. And uh, it's just a huge encouragement. It stirs our hearts for love and it just helps us to specifically pray for you. And that's the heart's desire at the end of the day. And that's a blessing. I want to say that too. When you do that, you give us the opportunity to be blessed. I think when people are willing to come out and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. I've got a coworker that's difficult. I've got a family situation that's difficult. Would you pray for me? That really allows us to share in God's work in your life. And it's a real blessing. When people say, hey, everything's good, everything's good, we kind of miss out on that a little bit. And so um, I just want to thank you all for blessing me personally and Julie and our family uh, personally to be able to pray personally and specifically for your requests. And hopefully I'm going to you'll see a little bit of connection about what we're going to go through today. Um, and uh, I'm going to go through some material, but uh, out of God's word on stewardship. That's, you know, sort of the last portion uh, this week and next week that we're going to go through. And I'm going to bring uh, Pastor Ricardo in for his wisdom and his input in at the end. But if you have your Bibles, would you turn with us to Romans chapter 11? Romans chapter 11. I know it says Romans 12 here, but don't worry. We are going to get to Romans chapter, chapter 12. Um. But um, let's see, Jonathan Park, I have you on my screen. So if you would be so kind as to read um, 1133, and if you could read through 12, verse 9, 1133 through 12, verse 9, and then I'll ask um, Kevin Ow if you could read verses uh, 10 to the end of the chapter. All right, so right, Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? 
For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself um, more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Continuing from uh, verse 10, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other, with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Thank you, man. Appreciate that. I want to... Um give you homework because that's what I love to do because I want to give great gifts. And uh, I think homework from the Bible is some of the greatest gifts that you could, you could have. And it's this week to read through Romans, what we just read, Romans 11:33, or even Romans 11 and Romans 12 this week. And to consider your own life and to consider our church in light of this, these two chapters. And just say, okay, how much does my life and how much does my church life look like what I'm reading in Romans 11 and 12? What's really worth noting is that the Apostle Paul is not writing to pastors or missionaries. He's writing to a Gentile church in Rome or a church that is predominantly non-Jewish, we believe, um, in Rome. And many of them are made up of smaller house churches as you get to the end. Okay, so what he's describing here is not 
the super saint Mother Teresa life. This is the life that he is describing, which is to be the church life and the individual life and the heart life of every believer. Because Paul was convinced by the resurrection of Jesus Christ that indeed the new life of Christ had begun. And it had begun in the hearts and lives of those who were saved and were redeemed and belonged entirely to Jesus, that they were forgiven, that they were new creations in Christ. And the church was the fullness of that, so to speak. Okay. And as you come to Romans 11, this is, you know, part of the context. He's writing about Jewish believers. He's calling Gentile believers. He says, don't get boastful. Don't get prideful. Don't think that, oh, we're so much holier than those Jews. And it's timely in light of what's going on in Israel at this time. Okay. Don't look down on them. God has saved you for a reason and for a purpose. That reason is not a better life. That reason is not a more fulfilled life. That reason is not a life, quote unquote, for blessing in this world. He's brought you in. He goes basically Romans 1 through 11 is the gospel, God's gospel plan from the individual to the entire world. That part of that plan is saving you and grafting you onto a tree, which is God's tree, new life in Christ. Okay. That was begun with the Jewish people in the Old Testament. He's done it in order to bring Israel back or to redeem the true Israel into the household of God. Okay, so we're not the be all and end all. We're a part of the story. And if you look at this illustration that we have here that I ripped off or I used with permission from the uh, Lane Trip book, how people change the biblical counseling book. Okay. And you guys know, I use this over and over and over again. All right. And it is essentially an illustration of uh, Genesis one through three. It's an illustration of Psalm chapter one, and it's an illustration of uh, Jeremiah 17 and the list goes on and on. Okay. How the life that we have when you are a believer before you're a believer, your life, you're a walking dead person. Your life is completely separated from God and his word. When Christ comes in and saves you and forgives you, he makes you a completely new person. But you start as a baby. Now, that's important to remember. Okay, we don't sort of come out and we're birthed as this totally mature pastor or missionary. Okay, you get birthed as a baby, as a child. Unless you become as a little child, you can't enter into the kingdom of heaven. But nonetheless, you're given a completely new life. And that new life is in Christ and in his local church. We forget this, okay? That new life, as we're showing here, is no longer a life of trusting in ourselves. It's trusting in Christ. God's brought us through the cross into this new life. And if you look on, you know, as you look at the screen, you look on the left-hand side, that new life is a fruit tree, okay? And that fruit tree is part of God's orchard, part of God's family. It belongs to him. And that life, as it grows, it gives forth fruit because Christ is in our hearts and his spirit is working in our lives. And he's putting to death our sin and he's bringing to life all the goodness of the life of Christ. So when that tree gets big and it gives fruit in its time, and it could be a while, you know, if you ever do farming and you plant that seed, you know that you don't get the harvest the same day. Okay, it's over a period of time that that comes out. But just ask yourself, okay. When that tree grows, what's the purpose of that tree? The purpose of that tree is to give fruit. 
That's John chapter 15. God has saved you and redeemed you and made you alive in Christ and made you a part of the church so that you'll grow like him and give fruit just like Jesus. It's a life that gives new life. That is your purpose. Okay, when does that happen? Well, Pastor Ricardo reminded us this morning, it's very much during the storms of life or when things are hard, like some of the things that you shared during the sharing uh, earlier at the beginning of Cornerstone, difficult coworkers, difficult in-laws, difficult family situations with illness, okay, difficult circumstances. That is very much like the sun in our lives, which comes down and there's just intense heat. And what it does is it shows in our lives where our roots are. Because when intense heat comes and we're not connected to living water, we wither up and die mm -hmm. and our branches become sharp briars and thorns, like this picture of self-trust on the other side. Bitter, angry, discontent, frustrated. Okay, It's not that we don't struggle with that. But in Christ, when we belong to him, when the sun comes and our roots are deeply planted in living waters, right? I think Ricardo mentioned like the deer pants for the, for the water, that, that source of Christ, of just being with Christ, of being nurtured with him, of just having that time with him through his word and through prayer. What ends up happening is, yeah, we might struggle, we might shrink a little bit, but over time we continue to grow with that sunlight and we give forth fruit. Love, joy, peace, self-control. And those gifts that come forth are a gift to others. It's not meant for us to hoard, okay? It is a giving life, just like Jesus when he died on the cross. This is the good news of the gospel. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, okay? So that's what that picture is illustrating. Well, we, we can forget that at the end of the week, all of us, as we struggle mm. to get through the week. We're focused on taking care of ourselves. But Christ has given us something new. And what the Apostle Paul rules out for us in Romans 12 is, look, this is what church life is to look like. This is what it looks like when people are growing in Christ and Christ is transforming them and their lives are filled with the life of Christ. It is a life of giving that belongs to Jesus and belongs to the church. If you're a disciple, that means you're a child of God. It means you have new life that belongs to Christ and belongs to his church, not a little, brothers and sisters, entirely, entirely. Every aspect of your life belongs to Christ, and it belongs to the church. Why? Because he paid for it. He redeemed you. The only reason you are in Christ and you have new life and you are in the local church is because Christ died for your sins. Without that, we have nothing. I don't care how smart you are, how bright you are, how wealthy you are. And when we belong to Christ, like this tree, when we grow and there's fruit, who does that fruit belong to ultimately? If the tree belongs to Jesus, who's the fruit going to belong to? It's going to belong to Jesus. It doesn't belong to us. It belongs to him. So there's this radical change in this mindset where we see everything we have, our time, our energy, our work. For all of those who are working jobs that are not Christian jobs, quote unquote, you're in a software company, you work for an engineering firm, okay? Yeah, they give you a paycheck, but ultimately that paycheck is coming from the Lord and that time that you spend at work, that belongs to the Lord. And ultimately you answer to the Lord an even higher authority and more often than not, you're going to work harder with more integrity 
than you did when you were an unbeliever because you need to answer to the Lord. His standards are significantly higher, but your work is never going to jeopardize your relationship with the Lord. Okay. And that's what's different between you and the other people who work. Okay. So as we look at our points here, Romans 1 through 11, this tree, this new life, including our life in the church, it belongs to God. It's God's tree. It's not ours. That means he gets to say what we do with it, not us. Okay. What, what I do with my times and talents, that's for Jesus. What I do with my family, that's Jesus. Okay. All of those things straight across the board. The overflow is gratitude for his mercy and grace. Paul reminds him of this. Okay. It's like, guys, you don't deserve to be in this family. You're Gentiles. You're not even Jews. And God has done this amazing thing and come and taken pagan idolaters and brought them into the family. He grafted you into the tree. The church is not about you. It's about him. This is his tree and he's brought you in. You're part of his family. You're not running the show. Sometimes we forget that. We think the whole family revolves around us. The whole family revolves around my pulpit, my preaching, my whatever. No, this is his tree, Mm -hmm. which means every aspect of it belongs to him. And the life we live, we live by grace through faith in Christ. It's a new economy. It's an economy of giving, not taking. It's an economy of love and sacrificial love, not self-serving love. Okay. And so this week, I want you to read Romans 11 and 12. And as you read Romans 12, this is what a giving life looks like in the local church. Okay. And as you look at it, I'm just going to highlight a couple of things for you, okay? The redeemed are to give new life like Jesus, a living and holy sacrifice to God. We're to look like Jesus, okay? Jesus on the cross. I don't care whether you're a missionary or someone who's a new believer who just became a member of the church. It doesn't matter. Your life has been given to look like Jesus, okay? There is zero tolerance for boasting, for hoarding, and for despising. That's the way of the world. Hoarding. This is all about me. I'm going to protect it. I'm going to protect my family. I'm going to protect my time. I'm going to put boundaries up. I'm going to do this so I can get to a good place. My Bible study time. Guess what? A friend calls you. They're in need and you're in the middle of your devotional time. Your devotional time is going to be put down so that you can love and serve that person. Doesn't mean you never read your Bible. Okay. But your time is not your own. There's no such thing as a divine interruption. It's a divine invitation. It's a privilege. There's no place for boasting. Aren't we great that we've got this great church? We're going to do a church plant in Columbia now. Our church does this. We do short. No, there's no room for that at all. That is contrary to the new life that God has given you. We are so blessed. We are so privileged to be able to do these things. We've got so much further to go. We're part of God's plan, and we're a very small part of God's plan but he's condescended to allow us to do this. And there's no place for despising. Well, this church, okay, they do all of these different things. They're struggling with all of these different things. They're having conflict. Hey, there's no room for despising as we go through. And as you look at verses four through 11, the apostle Paul highlights what this church and what this giving looks like, okay? He basically says, your life is a living sacrifice to God. That's what it is, okay? A living and holy sacrifice, entirely given over to the Lord, okay? It doesn't look like the world. Be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Just realize, 
hey, we're no longer like the world. If I'm looking like the world, I'm in the wrong place. If my work life looks like the world, I'm in the wrong place. If my marriage and family looks like the world, I'm in the wrong place. If my church life looks like the world or my ministry looks like the world, I'm in the wrong place. And then he outlines in detail, well, what does it look like? Verse 4 through 11, okay? For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly, okay? How do we get gifts? Somebody's got to give them to us. It's an economy of giving. Everything we have is a gift from the Lord. We learned about that. Uh, Pastor Ricardo read from James 1, 17, I believe it was today. Okay. We each have gifts. They don't all look the same. They've been given by God. But even though they're different, they are equally valuable and important to life in the body. We're one body, one flesh. And we're to use those gifts to the max. If giving... If encouraging is your gift, then you encourage. If giving financially is your gift, then you give financially. If listening to someone is your gift, then you listen. If praying, okay, every aspect of our lives, everybody, there is no one in the family who does not have a gift. God has given a different measure to each. Just because someone has more than someone else doesn't mean we look down on them. We are each to use the gifts that we give to the max. So there's a diversity. There's a generosity. Why? Because Christ has given to us. This doesn't belong to us. We're going to give freely. There is a zeal, a burning desire to use that gift. Why? Because we love these people. They're our new family. And there's a cheerfulness that happens. There's a rejoicing. This is a privilege. We don't deserve to be in the church. We don't deserve to give. We don't deserve to help. We don't deserve to be part of this ministry that God has given us. But praise God, we do. And so when we have this opportunity, we're going to use it to the max. There are folks who I've known who were very, very sick. Like they didn't think they were going to live. And for whatever reason, the Lord and his wisdom brought them back. And the recurrent thing you hear for people who have had near-death experiences and there was a reversal and they got extra time, not infrequently, you will hear them say, this is time I never thought I had, okay? I want to use it to the max. I want to give it. I really want this to be worth something. I don't want to waste that time. For each of us as believers, that's the way it is. We deserve to be in hell. We deserve to be in the car accident. We deserve to be in the Gaza Strip being bombed, okay? But God has saved us and given us a second chance. You want to take every minute and every moment to use that in the way God intended you to use it. And it starts, brothers and sisters, like we've been talking about for these past few weeks, with that relationship with Christ. When you're walking with him, there's going to be fruit. The other side of it is... When you're not walking with him, all that comes out are thorns, okay? And as you get to verse 9 through 11, one of the ways in which we give very specifically to Jesus is by loving and caring for the family of God. Loving and caring for the family of God. This is where it starts. This is the priority. 
okay? How we take care of one another is typically a reflection of what our relationship is with Christ. How we forgive one another. Where does that word forgive come from? In the English language, it involves the word give, forgive. We are giving, okay, a grace and a mercy that we ourselves have received. It begins where? In the family of God. If we can't forgive one another's brothers and sisters, how are we going to forgive that coworker who's not a believer who's given it to us every day? It ain't going to happen. All right? When you go through Romans 12, the Lord gives us a priority list of our giving. Our giving, first and foremost, is to Christ and his church. Romans 12, 1 through 13. We are to give to unbelievers and those in need. So if a homeless person shows up at our church, do we need to give? We do. But we need to give the gospel first, brothers and sisters. And the priority in our giving, it begins with Christ and his church. All right? So there's social justice. There's meeting the needs in the community. Those, do we have to do something? Yeah, we have to be good Samaritans. Mm-hmm. But there's a priority. Okay? Like 1 Timothy 5, what we learned, it begins in the local house in the church. That is where we learn how to love in our family for eternity. Now, this comes up with regards to biological family members. Brothers and sisters, there's a tendency a little bit with our family. Okay, I've got to worry about Ethan and Josh's college fee. How am I going to get that? What, you know, I've got to worry about all of these different things. And we tend to think of our families as separate from the church. I want to challenge you when you look at Romans 12, that's the wrong way to think. We're new creations. Our eternal family, forever family, is the family of Christ, okay? That means my brothers and sisters in Christ are a top priority. We don't split and we don't divide on that aspect of things, okay? It's not that we don't take care of our families. It's not that we don't send our kids to college. It's not that we don't take care of unbelievers in our lives but we do it after we have taken care of okay the issues of christ and his family and other believers and it's christ who does that work in our hearts and lives okay and as we come to matthew 25 at the very you know which is what i'm going to close with there is going to come a day where christ will return Mm -hmm. he's going to judge our works do our works Mm -hmm. save us no they do not save us But what our works and our giving demonstrate, brothers and sisters, is they show what our faith has been. Has our faith been in ourselves or the treasures of this world, or has our faith been in Christ? When our faith is in Christ, it produces a different type of work and a different type of giving. Okay? The begrudging giving, oh, I've got to give 10% of my paycheck. Oh, I've got to help out. Oh, you know, Pastor Mark, if you need me, I'll do it. If you really need me, I'll be there. That's fine. I don't care. But guess what the Lord does? And in fact, in the Old Testament, he brings a curse on his people for not serving him joyfully. Why does he do that? Is it because he's ugly and he's mean? No, because it's coming from a wrong heart. Because the heart that loves is a heart that gives. For all the men over the, out there who are married, okay, when you give your wife her engagement ring, oh, honey, cost me a lot of money, wasn't really sure, uh, but I made an extra effort because it was you. 
No, absolutely not. You were overjoyed to give her the best ring that you possibly could, that you could afford. Why? Because you're so excited that she was part of your life, okay? If you love me, you will keep my commandments, okay? So <clears throat> that idea of genuine, our works and our giving are a test that show what we really love. And it shows if we love Christ and if we love his people. Okay, it's the test of our true faith in him. One day Christ is going to come and he's going to come back or we die and we come face to face and he's going to look at our works and he's going to look at our giving. And he said, okay, what does this show in your life? What's the track record? There are a lot of people, and I'm going to say this, even in our church, there are many who think, hey, I'm a great Christian. No problem. But your acts and your giving and how you give and the spirit with which you give shows that you don't love Christ. I know that sounds hard. It shows that you really don't believe in him because if you believe that Christ is Lord and he's coming back and he's going to judge you, your works and your giving would look remarkably different. That's Jesus. That's not me. And so I raise that to say, look, you look at your life and say, okay, our giving and our works demonstrate maybe the areas that we need Jesus to come in and renew us and show us the greatness of his love, okay? You were saved to give the entirety of your life to Christ and his church and to do so with the heart of love, the same love that Christ gave to us. Now, that's uh, a lot of speaking on my end. I'm gonna bring Pastor Ricardo in if I can. Uh... Okay, <clears throat> to bring it home, we've got 15 minutes left here. But Pastor Ricardo, let me ask you about this idea of stewardship of giving and giving a life, okay? There can be a general sense that unless I'm like Pastor Ricardo and I'm going to, you know, you're the special guy, you're going to Columbia, you've given your life away, so you have this life of suffering, okay? You have this life where you have to give up everything to go. But what about the average church member? What should they be thinking as far as their commitment, their giving? Is, is your life meant to be different, let me just say, because you were a pastor before. You also worked as a, as a professor at Masters University teaching Spanish. Okay, you worked with other people. You worked in a regular sort of quote-unquote job. How is the average church member supposed to think about their life as far as giving and uh, serving in the local church? Okay, for the last maybe 15 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour, I don't know for how long, I have been thinking like kind of, a, I didn't know what you were going to ask me, um, a verse, you know, a scripture to share with you guys. And you know what? As you began asking me, by God's grace, I thought of Philippians. Mm -hmm. uh, Philippians. Mm -hmm. So let's go to Philippians real quick. Um, chapter 2, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Ephesians, I mean, Philippians chapter 2 says, if there is any encouragement in Christ, kind of in view, in light, given that there is a, an encouragement that Christ has done in your life, if any comfort from love, that is the comfort, comfort you have received from God the Father that sent his, his son, any participation in the spirit, meaning you are part of this body, that can be only through the Holy Spirit. 
if any affection and sympathy that is that is if there is any 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 mercy any 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 grace in your life complete my joy by being of the same mind having the same love being in full accord and in one mind do nothing from selfish selfish ambition or conceit but in humility count others more significant than yourselves i have a friend of mine that has always told me ricardo every person has an agenda every person has an agenda and he told me how sad when you meet people they have their own agenda you know christ's agenda was the salvation of our souls the obedience to his father and then he says uh selfish ambition conceit but in humility count others more significant than yourselves let let each of you look not only to his own interest it doesn't mean that we need to sacrifice all our, our lives no he's not only uh, he's so gracious not only to his own interest but also to the interest of others and and right now pastor mark was talking about the body of christ hmm? and then he goes um have this ma this mind among yourselves which is yours in christ jesus that is that should be our mind it's our mind it's not an option if we have christ we have his mind his heart his attitude who though he was in the form of god did not count equality with god and he goes so we have heard so many times this and then he says um therefore god has, has highly exalted him i'm in verse nine and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and on the earth and every tongue confess that jesus is lord he's lord of your life of your finances of your emotions of of your giving of everything to the glory of god the father one day will be before him giving an account acknowledging in our in our in our knees saying lord you are the lord and what better privilege we will have than to say you know i want you to be my lord today the lord of my time the lord of my gifts the lord of the, my talents and which are not ours are given so i don't know that's what i think yeah. so is the is the life of every follower of christ is the heart the attitude of everyone who has experienced at least a tiny bit of Christ. Absolutely. No, <clears throat> absolutely. We're to be like Jesus. Amen. All of us. Uh, Ricardo, for you, you know, what have been some of the challenges in giving? And giving of your time, your energy, um, just your resources, your giftedness? Because ultimately, you've suffered for that. <laughs> Okay, knowing your story is, and I think this is what scares people is, okay, if, if I give, I'm going to suffer. And, and the truth is, you have given and you have suffered. Yes, I think, I think the hardest thing when you, when you do things for the Lord, and, and I'm going to hear you are asking me, so I'm saying what it is, that unfortunately our nature is so sinful that, and it's hard for me even to acknowledge this, we do it. No, as unto the Lord, we do it for people. Even where we want or not, we are so human, you know. So when people don't appreciate our our 
For example, I'm going to, to give you an example. Today, my preaching, good job, good job, good job. Five people, 10 people, 20 people say, wow, Ricardo, terrible, terrible, terrible. I want to be discouraged. And that shouldn't be a Christian response because for whom I did it? Did I do it for the people or did I do it for the Lord? You know what I'm saying? So if, if I do well and everybody claps, if my music, the music I play is so good that everybody, wow, good job, good job. But then if someone gives me a critique, then I'm not happy. Hmm? If serving in the church, you know, or the pastor goes out or the elders, hey, brothers, I think we should do things this way. Oh, they are critiquing the things I'm doing. And then people get upset. You know what I'm trying to tell you? Well, you know, one of the things you highlight is how we take criticism and what discourages us. Those are two great tests exactly. to see whether or not what we're doing is for the Lord or is Amen. it for people. Amen. Right. And, and when we get discontent or discouraged, okay, that's a real gift from the Lord because he loves us as his children where he brings it along. Okay. He's not doing it to punish us and say, Hey, Mark, you know, maybe you thought in the bigger picture you were doing this for me, but maybe a big part of it is you were doing it for yourself. Yes. Right. I just, I just heard uh, maybe three, four weeks ago from a dear friend of mine, a pastor, a church I went to preach and, and his main elder, his head elder, 10, 15 years in the church. And, and my friend, the pastor said, hey, the other day you preached for one hour and a half, one hour and a half. And, and your introduction was like 40 minutes. Maybe you should organize your uh, message a little bit better. He left the church. <laughs> he, this elder, left the church. Hmm? How sad. So sometimes, you know, people do things and we serve the Lord and we are happy serving when they are clapping and they are saying, good job, good job. But when, when we are being corrected, when we are being admonished, when we are being told how to do things, when we are asking to submit, then it, 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 then that is the test of our humility. Yeah, it's one of the ways that God does come in and test. But then on the other hand, you know, <clears throat> Ricardo, what are some of the ways in which you've grown and you've seen fruit in your life and your marriage and your ministry as a result of some of that suffering? Yeah, I think... I think, I think several things, you know. I think the first one is our sanctification. Hmm? It's, it's when we, we serve the Lord. It's when we humble ourselves. It's when we, we are tested even by, by that, by the way we serve, that we start being sanctified. Hmm? As we have to humble ourselves, as we have to do that as an act of worship to the Lord, so I think the first one would be sanctification. The second one, which is very similar, is character. Character. To know that, that we are being faithful, that we are being committed, that we are being um, just, just faithful. And, and even in, in, the, in the case of my family, Viviana Grace, she's learning that by God's grace, her dad and mom want to serve in the church. You know, and, one, and it's costly. And it's costly. And, and there is a joy, but also there is a joy and, and there is a fulfillment and she's learning. Hey, we want, I want to go to church. Um, even a few days ago, Bona 
was telling her, would you like to help in Sunday school in Colombia? And she was, oh, mom, it would be so awesome. So things like that, you know, your children, guys, and by the way, I want to take the time to encourage you by that grace, this, this thought that comes to my heart is, all of, I, I think there are some young people here, but others who are parents, and maybe those who are young one day will be, if you guys develop that character, that, that, that belonging to the church, you are planting seeds in your children's hearts that will never ever be removed, where you know that you are serving, not out of trying to seek again, but out of love for the church. So, yeah. Um, if you have your Bibles and you're still in Philippians, if you have a look at uh, Philippians 1, okay, verses 29 and 30, Philippians 1, 29 and 30. And I think this summarizes a lot of what Ricardo has been saying. Hmm. It says, for to you, it has been granted, granted, it's a gift, hmm. charizomai, right? Uh, for to you by grace, it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, hmm but also to suffer for his sake, not only to believe in him, but to suffer for his sake, experiencing the same mm. conflict, which you saw in me and now here to be in me now. Okay. Ricardo, this morning, I believe you mentioned first Peter mm. chapter one. Mm. First of all, when we give as mm. Jesus did, we're going to suffer. Mm. That's it. You are. You're going to lose. From the world standard, you're going to look like a loser. Okay? But Ricardo mentioned character. Okay? What First Peter comes and says, what does it show is most precious in your life? Your faith. The gift of faith that's been given to you. Though you suffer for a little while and there are some various trials, more precious than silver and gold. That refinement, that testing, that proving... And the assurance that comes from that when you go through those, sometimes not in the middle, but at the end, it's like, wow, Jesus really did take care of me. Jesus really did bring me through. I, I, I had some bad days. They weren't all good. There was repentance that was needed at times where I said, Jesus, change my attitude. This is not good. I struggled with the flesh. But at the end of it, there's an assurance and there's a growth in character and perseverance where we enjoy and see the preciousness of that gift of faith that Christ has given, not through intellect, not through ability, not through giftedness, not through what I do, through that gift of faith, but also with that gift of suffering, he talks about experiencing the same conflict which you saw in me. And to some degree, some of the prayer requests that we had earlier today, they're sharing, hey, there's conflict that comes by virtue of being a Christian. It's hard to pray for some people. And then when you go and you open the scripture, you say, oh, guess what? There was a conflict for Jesus. There was a conflict for the disciples. There was a conflict for the apostle Paul, just by virtue of them being set apart. We're sharing, it, it highlights that life that we share together, as opposed to Ricardo shared this morning. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sometimes we suffer for our sin. <clears throat> we make sinful choices and we suffer for it. Um. When our children see us suffer for the sake of the gospel, at the time it is grievous. We do not wish that on our children ever, mm. that they would see us go through a hard time at church or a hard time in a different place for the sake of the gospel. It's just, I want to protect my kids from suffering. And yet, brothers and sisters, when they see the full story, 
and they see the fruit that comes and how God keeps his promises. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of it all. Okay, when he sees that, that plays a major impact for the rest of their lives. Mm. Now, I'll be the first to tell you, man, that's the last thing I want my kids to see me suffer and suffer as a result of that, especially for the sake of the ministry. Mm. At the same time, Jesus, you do what you have to do because that is going to be a protection and benefit because I can't tell you how many people who you read about in church history or you interact with who at a later life, a later point in their life, they had a Christ-like heart to give. Where did it come from? They'll mention when I was growing up as a child or I was a pastor's kid or this happened or this happened. And at the time I didn't understand it, it was heartbreaking. But now I understand as I serve the Lord why he allowed that to happen. A gift of grace that gives fruit. Uh, let me close with this. Uh, Pastor Ricardo, how can we be praying for you and your family as you get ready to go to Colombia? I think three prayers, uh, three prayer requests that come to my heart um, or I've been saying to a few people. Number one, we have about six weeks, four, five, six weeks. We're not sure how many left here. And we really want to go as soon as possible. We want to be in the field. Um, people have been praying, supporting us to be there. And we want to honor that. So pray for uh, Viviana's passport to come as soon as possible. We have to get a container. We are shipping um, um, uh, some, some things that are very expensive to buy in Colombia. And we used to own a home here. So Bona would like to take a few of those things. My books also. So um, so that, pray for that. Pray that um, I might be able to maximize my time as also we want to say goodbye to some friends in, in Southern California. That is number one. Uh, number two, please pray for Colombia. Uh, Colombia right now is going through a very difficult time. In the last two, three weeks, there have been a significant amount of riots and people are uh, very unhappy with the system. So please pray for that as we go, things might be a little bit easy. Uh, also in the sense that um, there is a high peak in COVID. So, um, so we want to hope that by the time we get there, at least it's a little bit uh, lower so we can uh, start ministering. And third, pray for um, just the church there, you know, the unbelievers, uh, the people that the Lord has for us to, to bring to, to his kingdom that he has chosen for us to minister to and the leadership in the church as well. Thanks, Pastor Ricardo. Um, we will be in prayer for that. It's gonna be our privilege to participate in that. Mm -hmm. um, Kevin, I'm gonna hand it back to you and maybe you can close our, our time in prayer. And as you do so, maybe we can uh, pray for the Morales family. And, and I also want to uh, just say thank you, thank you, thank you to all of you. Um, I just see you. Uh, uh, all and, and it has been such a, a privilege for me to and for my family to meet you. Um, I was thinking, you know, actually that I don't know how wise it was for for Mark to bring us here. You know, I don't know how wise he's. I always think that he has, he's a very wise person, but with this request of us coming this weekend, I don't know he was very wise. I don't think he was very wise because now we don't want to go back to Colombia. We want to stay here in San Jose. <laughs> you guys have been like so dear to us that we are, oh no. So 
So I will go happy and, and uh, we will miss you. And, and again, you are welcome in Colombia and we'll see you soon. We'll see you soon. Amen. You know, I was joking, huh? They know I was joking. They do. Okay. <laughs> thanks, Ricardo. And thanks, Mark, uh, for sharing the word with us. And yeah, just uh, giving us the, the wisdom from his word about how we ought to think about things like suffering and and giving uh, for the sake of the Lord. So let, let's close our time in prayer. I'd be happy to do that. And also um, pray for you, Ricardo, and your family. Father God, we, we praise you and we thank you, Lord, that uh, the truths that we have looked at today and talked about today, Lord, we can trust in, Lord. And even though it may be painful, Lord, um, in the moment to be taken through um, circumstances and situations, storms in our lives, Lord, um, we also know that they have a great purpose, Lord, and that purpose is to draw us to yourself, Lord, and, and even as we find ourselves um, giving for the sake of the Savior who has given his life for us, Lord, we know that there's just so much goodness and so much grace that comes our way from that, Lord, so we thank you and we praise you that uh, these are not useless or pointless um, things that you've called us to, but bearing fruit for the sake of your name, Lord, is an amazing thing. And I just pray that we would uh, see the benefit of that and that we would see uh, your, your name be made much of because of that, Lord. So we thank you for that opportunity. And I just pray for everybody here, Lord, um, that as we consider our own lives and we consider what kind of fruit are we bearing? Are we uh, people who are bearing thorns? Are we people who are bearing good fruit for the Lord? I just pray that we would be able to look at ourselves and understand uh, how much of a root the gospel has in our lives, Lord, and that we re would really seek to submit ourselves um, to Christ as Lord. And Father, I do want to take the opportunity now to specifically pray for the Morales family. I thank you for the blessing that they have been to us and our church in bringing us the word and also experiencing the fellowship with them, Lord. And uh, although we also are sad, Lord, that they, we won't be able to spend more time with them here, Lord, we also know that ultimately uh, we want them to uh, be in your will, Lord, and to be doing the things that you have called them to. So we do lift up and we pray all of the administrative and logistical aspects that you have uh, control over, whether that be Vivi Grace's passport, or the logistics of shipping things over to Colombia, or even the, the situation with uh, COVID in Colombia right now, Lord, all of these things are in your hands. We lift them up to you, um, and we ask that you would help us to not be anxious over these things, but to remember that you have a purpose, you have a reason, and you will provide um, everything that we need and what the Morales family needs uh, to um, to walk in your ways and to walk in the center of your will. So we, we ask for those things. Um, we also just want to pray for the remaining time that they have here, Lord, that uh, that time would be maximized in um, meeting with the people that they have to meet with, those who have uh, ministered to them, invested in them, Lord, uh, before they go. Um, we pray for Columbia. We pray for their mission field, Lord, that you would prepare hearts even now to receive the gospel, Lord. Um, we know that not everybody who hears the gospel will it land on uh, fruitful soil, Lord, but we do ask that you prepare the soil now. So when the gospel does go out, those that hear it, Lord, would respond in faith, Lord, and that leads to repentance and obedience. And uh, Father, we also just pray for the church in Columbia right now. 
would you raise up godly men to be the leaders of those church, Lord? And would those men be faithful to, to staying true to what you have called those churches to be, Lord? Uh, may they not succumb to any pressures uh, to the culture or what might be around them, Lord, but may they remain true and faithful and may they see the fruit in their church because your wisdom is, is above our wisdom, Lord. You know what is best for your church. You know what your church needs. So I pray for all of us that we would submit ourselves to that and not our own ideas of what church should be. So thank you again, Father, for the time that we've had together. And we lift all of these things up in the name of Christ. Amen.